I do thank y'all for inviting me. I, I thank you, Brad. Uh, I've always liked to talk. Uh, I will go ahead and tell y'all that there is a, a man in this room that I've known all my life, Barry Plunkett. If any of y'all know Barry, we, he was my first best friend, grew up with him, and uh, I'm not going to tell any stories about him because he could tell some on me, so I'm not going to do that, but I have always loved to talk. I've always had the gift of gab. Matter of fact, probably about a year or so ago, we were at, uh, back at our hometown at the church at a visitation. Uh, it was our high school principal had died. And we were there, and our high school basketball was, uh, coach was talking to us, and he told us, he said, Barry and Perry, I just want to tell you, y'all were the two people that I counted as blessings of have, to have in my you know, career of teaching and coaching. He said, both of y'all were loyal. You were always there. You did what I asked you to do. And then he looked at me and said, but Perry, if you just wouldn't have talked so much. <laughs> but... Uh, but I do uh, enjoy being here, and that's one thing I never get tired of talking about is Jesus Christ and the gospel. So, uh, so I'm going to ask you to begin. I'm going to ask you a very important question, and it's a question to have to do with life and death. Is this church alive? That's, that's what you have to ask. Is this church alive, and then why? Why? What does it take to have true revival what does it take to have true revival in a church? Now, revival, the, the definition of revival is, is, is basically the simple definition is a restoration to life or a restoration from being depressed, inactive, or an unused state. There was a tale of this young preacher who was going to uh, begin a new church. I mean, he was going to begin pastoring a new church. And all he had heard from people around saying, that church is dead. You're not going to get anywhere there. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a terrible experience. But he had faith. He had faith in God that God would use him and bring revival to that church. And, and so he, he went with his, the right frame of mind. He went with the right frame of mind, so he went and he prayed. And he prayed, and, and he, knows that he knew that God gave him the sermons to preach, and he preached fiery sermons. He went and he visited all the members. He tried to start outreach programs and Bible studies and everything to get that church going. But to no avail, it didn't happen. And he was so depressed, so one night he was praying, God, what do you have me to do? I've done everything that you've instructed me. I've, I've, I've planned heartfelt sermons. I've gone out and visited. I've, I've started programs, but still they're not reacting. And that night as he sat in the silence, God gave him a, an idea of what to do. So the next Sunday morning he got up and he made an announcement. He said, uh, uh, to the church, he said, next Sunday, I want you to come and be prepared. We're going to conduct a funeral. This church is dead, and we're going to conduct a funeral, and we're going to close the doors. Well, you could hear the murmuring in the pews. And then after that, he went in and preached his sermon, and he reminded them again, next Sunday, we will hold funeral service for this church and close the doors. That, all that week in that little town, that's all the talk there was about that preacher and him closing the church. And people were mad. How dare he think he can close our church? And it got all over town. So the next Sunday came and he come in into the church and it was packed full. 
There were people there that hadn't been there for weeks. There were people that wasn't in there, hadn't been there for months. There were people that hadn't been there in years. But by golly, they weren't going to close their church. So he went ahead and he read the scripture and preached the saddest funeral sermon you would ever heard. And at the end, and, and when they came in, of course, there was a casket up front, an open casket. <laughs> and after the sermon, the tears were in their eyes, and he said he did something that people really were shocked. He said, now we'll file through and we'll see the deceased. And as they walked up and they looked in and, and looked, there was a mirror. <laughs> they could see their own face. So that is what it takes for revival. It takes you. It's not because you are the church. So that's what it takes to have true revival. And with that, I'm going to read the scripture tonight. And it's Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, very familiar scripture. But this is the first three verses. And it talks about the day of Pentecost. This is the word of God. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Heavenly Father, may you add your blessing to the reading of your word this day in Jesus' name. Amen. What I like about this scripture is it said there were tongues of fire. Reminds me of when John the Baptist told his disciples, he said, I baptize you with water, but there will be someone coming later that baptize you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And then I think of the wind, and it came through like a rushing wind. Jesus, Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind goes where it pleases. You cannot see it, and you don't know where it comes from. But it always comes. So we need, to, we need to think about that. But if you back up what these people were doing, they were meeting in that room, 120 of them, it says. And it says they were devoted in prayer. And I'm sure y'all have already talked about this, but it all begins with prayer. If you want revival, and I'm not saying you're dead, but we all need revival, and it begins with each one of us as individuals to pray, to pray for the life of this church. Right after at Athens, at the Athens Community Church, the first Sunday after the, uh, the vote was taken that we were free, <laughs> I, I preached a sermon called Continuing the Journey. I told them, we're not starting a new journey. We're on the same journey we've always been. And that's following Jesus. That's being his witnesses here on this earth. So we want God to, to, to let the Holy Spirit reign on us and let us continue to be on fire for God and be revived even more because each one of us need revival. Each one of us at times get lax. And I'm sure I can tell you Brad feels the same way as I do. There are sometimes as pastors we get down and we need your prayers. But we, it all begins at, at prayer. So that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The wind, and the wind is a powerful thing. The wind blew through. A powerful wind blew through. And you know that you can't see the wind. When I was, I think I was 10 years old, I think I was about 10 years old, and a tornado came through my hometown of Ashland, 
And I can remember my brother and I looking out the patio window and watching the wind and the rain going, you know, parallel across. And, and we're looking, and there was a barn out behind across the fence from our, our yard. And we were sitting there watching the tin pull, ripping off just like Band-Aids. We can't see the wind, but we could see all the destruction that wind was doing. And we were amazed. We was enjoying watching that until my mom yelled and told us to get under the bed. <laughs> but the wind is powerful. That's the wind of the Holy Spirit is powerful. So we need to call on the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. If you want this church to grow, if you want this church to continue going and being on fire, pray. Pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come in. Imagine... Yeah, I, 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 there's, if I could ever go back in time and be in two places, if I could ever choose two places to go back in time, there are two places I'd have loved to have been. And one of them would have been in that upper room when the, the Holy Spirit came. Just imagine what it would be to see the, to feel the wind of the Holy Spirit, to see the fire of the Holy Spirit, and to hear them start speaking those languages so everyone could understand and hear the grace of God is for everybody. That would be amazing. That was a day of revival. That was a day of Pentecost. That was the day of Pentecost, and it continues on. So I want us to move up a little. I want us to look a little further up in chapter 4. All right? After the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, and Acts is, of course, uh, the, the book of Acts is a story of the Holy Spirit. People say that some, some places you see this is the acts of the apostles. And that, I really don't like that. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Because it was the Holy Spirit doing the work. But John and, and Peter were preaching. They were in the temple preaching. They were out preaching the word. And people were being converted. But they got caught. And they got thrown in jail. And then, and then the leaders were telling them, all right, we'll let you go. But don't preach about Jesus. Can you imagine what they thought? said, who do we take our orders from? You or God? And that's the way we need to be. The world's going to try to hush us up, but we have to continue to be strong. But it, and that leads us to the, right here in Acts chapter 4, verses 23. I'm going to begin in 23 and read to the end of the chapter. But they, they, they were released, and they went back to their church. They went back to the home where all of the the, the believers were gathering, and it says, When they had been released, they went back to their own companions, and they reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And then when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord, and they said, O oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
And when they had prayed, the place all together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. All because they prayed for boldness. They prayed for the Holy Spirit to be poured down on them. And the house shook. The church shook. When's the last time this church has been shaken? When's the last time this church has shook? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Do we pray? Do we truly pay, pray with boldness? Do we pray that, that God would grant us the power of the Holy Spirit to be bold and courageous, to go out and to share the gospel, to tell others? They prayed. They didn't whine about it. They didn't say, oh, Peter and John are being mistreated. They didn't complain. They prayed. And that's what it takes. We can't complain about things. We have to pray and we have to continue to pray. This is a quote from Felix Brook, Philip Brooks. He was a 19th century clergy. He said, don't pray for an easy life, but pray for God to make you stronger. Don't pray for your task equal to your power, but pray for power equal to your tasks. If we want true revival in Benton Methodist Church, in, in Benton, in, in all of our area, in, in the state, in the U United States, in the whole world, it begins with prayer. We need to be a people of prayer. Again, I'll say, when's the last time your church shook? When's the last time your church is shook? And, and we know we can boldly go to, to God with his request. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. We can go boldly to God and pray for revival, to pray for boldness in ourselves, to go out. It doesn't matter. You can stay in here and you can have the one, most wonderful worship service ever. And you can just sit in here and praise God. And, and y'all have got a beautiful musician. She is wonderful. That's a gift. She is worshiping. You know, and, and that adds to the worship, right? But what good does it do if we don't take it outside these doors? How, what good is it indeed to be raised again if we don't take it outside these doors? Think of Lazarus. Think of Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. It wasn't, it, it wasn't the, 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 the miracle of him being raised is enough. But the people that knew he was dead and now they see him alive, that's the witness. So the revival within these walls is wonderful, but what good does it do if we don't take it outside these doors and let other people see it? We have to pray for that boldness. We have to be persistent in our prayers. There was a little boy one time, a mama and a, a young toddler were in the, the grocery store shopping and she was pushing him in the cart, and if you've ever had kids, you know how it goes. But he says, Mama, I want some chocolate chip cookies. He said, she told him, said, sit down, you're not getting any today. They go down the other aisle, and again says, Mama, I want chocolate chip cookies. No, and this went on about every aisle they got to. But she kept telling him, no, we're not getting any. They finally get to the checkout counter, and he finally stands up, and he raises his hand and says, Dear God, I want chocolate chip cookies in the name of Jesus. And before she got through checking out, all the other customers had heard her cart was filled with chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so see, prayer works. 
Prayer works, and that's what we have to do. We have to pray. We have to ask God. We have to ask God for that boldness. Revival means nothing if you don't take it and do something with it. And that's what we have to do to call on the power of the Holy Spirit to work in this church, to take it out to, to those that need to hear the gospel. It's just as Jesus says, you are the light of the world, but what good does it do if you're just going to put a bushel over it, right? You don't get, you're not given the light to hide it. I always think of, of uh, I, we're a lot like Mary and Joseph. The story when Jesus was 12 and, and they went to, to Jerusalem, their annual trip to Jerusalem, and they left and they realized Jesus wasn't with them. That's what we do a lot of times. We leave Jesus at church. We don't take him with us. And we need to learn to take him with us everywhere we go to pray for that boldness that these people uh, prayed for. Revival is great. Revival is great. What, if, what would happen if Lazarus uh, would have just went back home and not told others what Jesus did for him? The scripture doesn't say he went out and preached and told people, but I guarantee you he did because I would and I do because I've, I've been raised from the dead. And it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing to know that I can tell others. This day, we, the, night, uh, the, the scripture was uh, the beginning of Pentecost. And I say the beginning of Pentecost because that was the day of Pentecost, the day Pentecost began. But I promise you, Pentecost is not over. Pentecost is continuous. If, and, and, you know, the, the Pentecost began the book of Acts and continued going. If you'll go and you'll read the last two verses in Acts, you'll know that Pentecost is not over. This is 30, uh, 28 uh, chapter of uh, Acts, verses 30 through 31. It says, and he, Paul, talking about Paul, and he stayed two years on his own, rented quarters, and was welcoming all who came in. He was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. It's it. It's no end. There's no the end. You know why? Because the book of Acts is not ended. We are to continue the book of Acts, to let the Holy Spirit keep moving in our lives and revive us so we can go out and we can continue to share the gospel unhindered. Now, yeah, you're going to reach some, you're going to hit some obstacles. You're going you're gonna, to uh, be some times, that, and I promise you, the hotter you burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit, the harder Satan's going to attack. If, if, if you could sit and promise me, I mean, if you can sit and tell me that Satan's not attacking me, then I can promise you you're not doing God's work. Satan will only attack you if you're doing his work. Satan only attacks the best, the, the hardest workers out there because they're hurting his kingdom. Another thing, Barry and I played high school basketball together, and I can promise you the coach on the other team looked and saw number 42. That was my number, goes, uh, here, you guard him. They put their weakest player on me because I wasn't going to hurt them. I couldn't shoot. I couldn't play. So, And we had a good team in high school because I watched a lot of it from the bench. But, um, <laughs> but you know, Satan's not going to attack you if you're not hurting him. 
So you need to get to, we need to get to work for God. And Satan's going to attack you. Satan will attack you the harder you burn for Christ. But God's going to protect you from it. One thing all my life since I've been a, a, a little, little uh, kid is I've been afraid of dogs. Dogs, I'm still, I can walk anywhere and I can hear a, a dog start barking and I'm, I, my hair stands up on, well, on the back of my neck. <laughs> You know, in the back of my neck. But I've I, just always been afraid of dogs. Well, in, when I was in college, we were doing a run from Natchitoches down to Alexandria. It was a, a, a fundraiser for St. Jude, and we were doing a, a, a running, and it started at midnight. And, you know, you'd run. Each, most of us signed up for a mile. You'll pass the baton. Well, I was somewhere between Natchitoches and Alexandria on Highway 1, and it's, what, 2 o'clock in the morning pitch dark and we're running along but there was a deputy following us you know shine the light and and everything to watch us and for traffic but I'm running along with that baton and I'm running along and I can hear down in the woods there's these dogs (laughs) and I'm trying to figure out how many I can take out with that little baton I mean I was scared and I guess as I'm running, I'm looking and, and everything, I guess that deputy could tell because the next thing you know, you're, he's in a pen. They're in a pen. <laughs> Whew. I felt so much better. Oh, I could run a little bit easier. I felt so much better. But see, that's what God does when you're on fire and you're running for the Lord. Satan's going to attack, but God will tell you, He's in a pen. I've already taken care of him. He cannot hurt you. So be on fire for God. Let that revival, let the revival break out and the Holy Spirit move. And be on fire for God. Again, like I said, it doesn't do any good to have revival here at Benton Methodist Church if you don't take it outside the, the, uh, the doors of the church. There's a story about a duck church. It was a, a church for ducks. And every week they would waddle into church. And, and then the, the duck preacher would open the book and, and, and uh, lead them in singing. They'd quack their songs all through service. And, and they would have a great worship time. And then the duck preacher would get up and open the, the duck Bible. And he would be praying. And, and, and he would preach fiery messages and say, we are ducks. We can fly. And they would quack, amen. And they were on fire. They were having so much of the, the spirit coming and moving. And he says, we are ducks and we have power. And they would amen, they would quack amen, and, and we have waddled for late, way too long. We can fly. And he continued this, and, and the service became alive, and they knew their potential. And they started agreeing, and they would say, yes, we can fly, preacher, we can fly. And then as he continued to preach, and, and, and he said, so let's spread our wings and fly. Amen, preacher, we can do it. So finally, after an hour of that preaching, I'm not going to go on that long, but it says after an hour of that preaching, the shouts of jubilation filled the church and the preacher was so excited and he quacked that final prayer and the ducks waddled home. (laughs) Is that what we're going to do with revival? Is that what we're going to do with our revival? Don't waddle, don't be a waddling Christian, but fly with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have to do. So with that prayer, 
with that prayer comes repentance. We have to turn. We have to turn away. You know, when Lazarus was raised, when, when Jesus called him out, well, actually, Jesus said three things when he was at the tomb. He said, remove the stone. Remove the stone. We have many stones in our lives that keep us from getting out and being revived, and that's our own doing. A lot of times it may be unforgiveness. It may be fear. It may be doubt. But there are a lot of fear of stones that keep us from stepping out. And then he said, Lazarus, come out. God has called each one of you by name, and he has called Benton Methodist Church to come out and be revived. And then he told those attending him, unwrap him and let him go. If you truly have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've been unwrapped from your clothes of sin. To go out and to share, to go out and with a new life, with being revived, to go out and share with others. And isn't that what it's all about? We're saved to serve. We're saved to be his witnesses. And when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus told him very bluntly that you will be, uh, receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. What other reason is there? A lot of folks like to think that Jesus saves us to take us to heaven. That's just the, the retirement benefits. If, gee, if that's really truly the only purpose, then he would take us as soon as we say, yes, Lord. But he saves us to serve. He saves us to be his witnesses, to tell others what he did in our life, to be able to share. Just as the blind man told when he was questioned, well, I don't know. I, I can't tell you everything about him, but I can tell you what he did for me. And that's what we have to do if we're going to be revived. To pray without ceasing. Continue to pray. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Here's the words that we need to pray, and it's in the, she could probably play it. But these, this is one of my favorite hymns, and uh, written by W.P. McKay. Revive us again, fill his heart with thy love. Made soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, find the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, find the glory. Revive us again. That needs to be our prayer. Revive us again. When that again means that we need to be revived over and over. We need the Holy Spirit to, to come alive and, and, and put a fire in our hearts over and over and rekindle us each and every day. That should be our prayer every morning. Lord, revive me again. Pray for revival that, that Benton Methodist Church will, not only Benton Methodist Church will be shaken, but the whole world, that we can take it into the whole world and surrender. Surrender to God. And he'll lead the path that you'll take, that, you know, that, that he'll lead you on the path he wants you to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Now, Barry's mom is here tonight, too, and she'll be the first to tell you that she would have never thought I'd have been a preacher. <laughs> but God knew, Right? God knew he's revived me, but I pray for revival every morning. Revival's going to take place. 
but you got to pray and you got to be ready and you got to know that God is going to do it. You have to surrender to his will. Pray with me. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. This is the day that you've made and we rejoice in it. Lord, I'm just thinking when it was raining on the way over here tonight, Lord, I'm thinking, I just think that is the Holy Spirit raining down on us. You always bring it when we need it, Lord. And you saturate our lives that we'll never run dry. But Lord, even in those times, we know the sun is shining. Even when the clouds overtake the sky, we know the sun is shining. And we are so grateful. Lord, I pray for Benton Methodist Church. I pray for revival. Lord, that the fire will burn so bright. As the quote says, the fire burns so bright, people will want to come and watch us burn. Lord, lift us up tonight. Let us be your witnesses. Let us be the ones that you call. And Lord, as, as always, if there's anyone here tonight that does not know you as the Lord and Savior, if there's anyone here that has not made the commitment, Lord, to be your uh, disciple, to be a follower that has not received your salvation, Lord, I ask them to come forward tonight and let them know the joy and live in the hope that we have. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus the Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.